0: The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.church. Well, I'm really honored to be here with you this morning. And um, I was asked to talk with you or share with you how God has met me. With his grace as I've parented a child with differences and I would also like to just um, share a little bit at the end about how you might also come alongside families like mine and today I don't want to just talk about God's grace I don't want to just define it I hope and pray that you will see how God's grace has truly intersected my life and so um, before we begin would you pray with me so, Lord, would you come now? Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me words to speak? Would you open hearts to hear? Father, I know that everyone in this room is facing challenges, different specifics, but same in the hardness. And so, Lord, um, would you help each of us today to bring our needs and our suffering Into the heart of your grace. In Jesus' name. So I have always been a really self-sufficient person. I think I I was just born that way. I always wanted to do everything right, everything good. I was a good little girl. I I never got spanked. Um, I just, you know, I was just always looking to do the right thing, listen to mom and dad, do whatever they say. Um, I also wanted to just Um, Have really high standards, um, be really accomplished, get good grades, do whatever I did with excellence. And um, I knew all about God's grace. My dad was a pastor, and he liked to always say, GRACE, the acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. And I just, I love that quick, easy way to remember it God's Riches at Christ's Expense. So I knew that I was a sinner. I was saved by grace. I knew there was nothing I could add to what Christ had always already accomplished for me, but I just had this drive, this inner drive, and I, so I really went about my life living like a Christian, really on the outside, but on the inside, there was this drive that I think we all have and can all, um, whatever, um, agree to here, but for me, it was just... It was especially um, strong. It was—you could say—it was one of the idols of my life. And so, when I got pregnant. I started planning all the ways that I would be the perfect parent. And I thought, if I parent well, my child will turn out well. And I started you know, thinking about all these great ways my child was going to be so accomplished. And, and just on and on, it was spinning around in my head. And I can remember the day and the place where I was when God impressed on me the sinfulness of those kinds of thoughts. And, um, you know, I just, he showed me how I was placing all my hope in, in creating this perfect child instead of finding all my worth and and my significance in him and and so I just I just prayed and I said God forgive me, forgive me for the the wrongness of this. You know, it's, it's not wrong to want to be a good parent. We all want to be a good parent. We want to teach our children and nurture our children and see them grow into people who can live on their own in wise ways. And at the same time, being a parent is really hard. And we have to do it with a lot of intentionality and purpose. You all know that. We need God's wisdom and His strength and His grace. But... What I needed in that moment was to just give it all, give it all to him. And, and so I said this prayer. I said, God, do whatever it takes to make me just give up, to surrender, to just give you everything. I want myself, I want my child to be yours completely. I, I don't want to control her life. I don't want to be following her around and managing everything that happens to her without your grace over it all. And I could never have dreamed that God would answer that prayer with disability. So my daughter Krista was born 35 years ago already. Hard to believe. I'm the mother of a 35-year-old. But she was born um, with a rare syndrome called Apert syndrome. And what that looks like is fusion of bones throughout the body, and specifically the skull, the hands, and the feet. and. Um, I'll never forget the first doctor that we uh, went to a few days after she was born and he made it clear that he could not perform miracles. You know, we were kind of thinking, oh, reconstructive surgery will solve everything. And he just very bluntly just said, you think I can perform miracles and I can't. I will do these surgeries, but you will never have a normal child. There will be hearing loss, there will be speech difficulties, cognitive delay, and the list went on and on and on, and our hearts were just broken. And then he said, there's a lot of unknowns, but I know this for sure. Your child will find the world to be a cruel place. We were just devastated. You know, God, why? Why? I was such a good girl. I followed all the rules. Is this how you repay me for my allegiance to you? I just couldn't even imagine how God's grace could meet me in this. Um, you know, watching my child would be the, the hardest thing I would ever do. I mean, we know that watching our children suffer is the hard. I would have rather had it myself. Give it to me, Jesus. Give it to me. Um, I didn't know anything about Apert syndrome. I didn't have the internet thirty-five years ago. I couldn't look up anything. I got a few pages out of a book um, that. Were, had horrific pages of people who had not ever had reconstructive surgery. And the the um, bones in the, the skull are fused, and so their brains have nowhere to grow. And the pictures were horrific. And I I took those papers, and I gave them to my husband, and I said, just take these to your office at work. I, I don't want to ever even see these again. Um, and so here I am. I don't know really what Apert syndrome is. Um, I don't know how to parent a child with it. (laughs) Um, And I was was thinking too, you know, I'm like the worst person, God, that you could have chosen for this job because I'm dealing with my own issues here. I'm dealing with, you know, shame and trying to be better and self-sufficiency. How am I going to help a child who's going to deal greatly with these things? The doctors didn't know if she'd be able to walk or talk or even think. And so my goals for successful parenting were all gone. And as I said, you know, we were, our hearts were just broken. We were surprised. We were hurt. Um, I felt so alone. I felt like God had just deserted me. And he was silent. He was far away. There was nothing that I could do. And so I contemplated taking my own life. I, I didn't know how to live. Or at the very least, I thought, I'm just going to walk away from the faith. I, I, don't, I can't trust God. I, I'm just going to walk away. But I didn't know where else to go, thank God. And so instead, I begged him to show me how to live. I begged him to show me how to parent this new child. And by God's grace, when Krista was just a few months old, um, I came across some Bible verses that were put to songs. I don't know how many of you grew up listening to GT and the Halo Express or Steve Green and his Hide Them In Your Heart. And we started playing those Bible verses just all the time. And, you know, there's something really special about music and how it can put truths deep into your heart in ways that nothing else can. And I I was mad at God, but I had the sense that I wanted him in his words, to be speaking to her. I wanted her to find some kind of comfort. I knew that's, that's where she would find what she needed. And I needed to. I needed to hear him talking. I needed to hear what he was up to, what he was doing, especially in regards to disability in our lives. And I can just attest to the Holy Spirit just communicated God's presence and his love and his care for us in such deep ways. During those first years, um, we could see he was kind. He was good. He would never leave us. He would never lie. But I have to admit that deep in my heart, I was still kind of looking for something to fix this. Was wasn't there something to fix this? God, would you heal her? Would you heal her? I prayed for probably the first two years of her life that God would heal her, and. I kept thinking, well, maybe there's still just something I could say, something I could do, some kind of formula that I could follow. So I was still questioning and still doubting and still hearing like a thousand other voices coming at me instead of just really listening to God. And I, um, we had two other children in, in this time period, and our, um, our second daughter was born with a tumor on her skull. And all over again, I'm just like, God, are you kidding? Like, you know, we have one child with this syndrome. Now we have a child with the potential to kill her. Um, uh, Could be cancerous tumor on her skull. And thankfully, it was not tumor uh, or cancerous. It was benign. But my life was just (laughs) a wreck. I I was so weak and desperate. And, you know, an old habit... um, Creeped, crept back into my life. I had suffered anorexia when I was a teenager, and that's something that often people who are control freaks um, suffer with, and so I stopped eating. Um, it, was, it was one way I could control the world around me, and um, that, of course, created other problems. My heart wasn't beating regularly. Um, I was so weak, I could barely take a walk around the block. Um, and during that time, a good friend called me up and she just said, you know, you're going to die if you don't start eating. Your heart's, the, the fat around your heart is is going to fade away and it's, your heart's going to stop. You're going to die. And God used that good friend to just um, kind of waken me in that moment. And um, I started seeking to care for my myself and my body. Um, but Everything really kind of came to a head spiritually for me when Krista was 15 years old. We um, decided to do a surgery on her elbow, and Krista, besides the fusions in her skull and her hands and feet, she also has fusion in her elbows, and that's not typical. Other people with aperts can can bend their elbow, but in Krista's case, so, you know, another rare thing um, that God gave that she's she's just kind of fused like this, and her... Um, her shoulders are also fused and so just imagine kind of this is like your range of motion and so anything you do, eating, bathing, um, combing your hair, tying your shoes, um, she can't do and so um, we're really hopeful that a surgery like this could help her. So basically, what the doctor was going to do is cut the bones apart and then um, actually carve a joint and socket out of the existing bones. And it sounded like a great, innovative idea. Mayo Clinic top doctor. He had um, operated on a president of the United States. And so we were like, okay, this is it. We're gonna. This is going to give us one little thing that that will help her in her life. Um, so we had she went through the surgery and literally like hours after the surgery we we never actually saw her her arm bend she she grows scar tissue in her body prolifically and the scar tissue there there were plans to keep that from happening but the scar tissue grew back and wrapped itself around those bones and her arm was unmoving and immobile just like before another devastation another question you know god could you have not answered this one little prayer out of all the prayers we have for her? I love your theme verse um, from Second Corinthians 12.9. You know, we, here we see Paul you know, in a hard place. He's um, having to go through some kind of suffering that we don't know, afflicted with weakness and pain in some way, and he's pleading for the Lord to take this hardship away. And what does God say? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. The message of the gospel is that Christ's grace and strength come to us and is demonstrated to us in our greatest need. And we see that in Christ's life. He he had all strength, all power, and yet he became weak in order to take our place and die for us. And then he rose again in strength. And he still carries with him that compassion and that knowledge of what we're feeling and what we're suffering. And has great compassion for us. And Paul got it. You know, we see in many other verses and in many of his other letters that he was content amid all sorts of trouble and limitation. Because when he was weak, then he was strong. So that summer, you know, after this surgery, something happened. I'd like to say I just surrendered to the Lord peacefully, but I think I was so tired, (laughs) I was so beaten down, that I finally just said, okay, God, okay, if this is the way it's going to be, then give me grace to believe that you're enough, that you will always be enough. I was using my sufficiency to protect myself from the hardships of, the life, of life. And that's something that only God can do. And I was so afraid of being weak and vulnerable to the world. But I finally came to this place where I could say it's okay. It's okay. If Krista is to be disabled, it's okay. Um, this is God's doing. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a coincidence. He made her with Apert Syndrome and he would be with her. He would care for her. He would provide everything that she needs and that we need. He would give her strength to do everything that he wanted her to do. He made her to glorify him. So in the end, the purpose of suffering is just to know Jesus. I said, you know, I I can stand here and say, my faith has been strengthened, my prayer life has dramatically changed, I don't pray for circumstances anymore, I pray for Jesus. But that's the end, just to know him, to know him, to identify in his weakness, as we live in weakness, to listen to his voice, suffering is not about me, I'd like to make it all about me, and I try to make it all about me, but it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about my sufficiency. It's about his sufficiency, his his sufficient grace. And so how do I parent a child with differences? (laughs) It's day by day, moment by moment. Disability has to be walked through in that way. I can't rush ahead to the future. I I couldn't imagine, you know, when when Krista was born, I just thought, what is life going to be like? Where are we going to go? I could not have imagined a 35-year-old like she is today, and all the, all the ways that God has met us, um, one of those ways is through the book, and I do have some copies over here, I'd love to have each of you take one, if you, if you already have one, take one to give away to someone else, um, that was an amazing thing that, that God did in our life, we, she had a dream, and the Lord provided a publisher and a way for it to get in print, and he's good. But there are no quick fixes, you know. I was looking for that quick fix. There's no f- quick fix. Disability is here to stay. I know Jesus could heal her, and we pray for healing. Um, she has chronic ear infections and um, acne that just doesn't go away, no matter what we try, what what we do. Um, she has cognitive delay, as was predicted. Um, she does know God's word, though. She could. She could out Bible verse anybody, <laughs> um, and knows so many verses and and their addresses as we call it, and and so grateful to God um, that that word is deep in her heart, and that every day we still sing those songs together, and um, just it's it's really just like feeding our souls every day, feeding our souls with the love and grace of Christ. And there are hard days for her. She has to um, wrap her mind around the fact that at 35 years old, she'll never get married. She'll never have a child of her own. And um, that's not easy for her to deal with. It's, that's Coming into a room like this with all sorts of moms with children is, is hard for her. And, you know, she... Um, she has a little part-time job in, in Burnsville at Gillette Clinic. And in that clinic, there just happens to be an OBGYN office upstairs. And by God's providence, one day, a friend of hers named Krista, who she grew up with, came in with her newborn baby, and they happened to meet in the hallway. Krista, friend of Krista, was on her way up to the, a doctor appointment. And my Krista said to me, you "No, know, Mom, I was able to ask her if i could see her baby and i didn't i i said how cute how beautiful and then i just came home and cried but i'm so grateful that jesus has given her the ability to do that that his his grace has strengthened her in a way that she could do something like that every day i ask her some questions <laughs> who is god You know, and she she has a mind that she's forgetful, so it's not a road answer. It's something new every day, something, and I want it to be new every day. We could never answer that question for all eternity. So who is God? How can you worship him today? And who are you? Who are you, Krista? She'll say, I'm loved, I'm chosen, I was made fearfully and wonderfully by a good God. And then how are you going to live? How are you going to find Jesus in the hardest places today? And so we pray together. Um, she is my best friend. We're always together. <laughs> so it's good we get along. Thank you, Jesus, that he has given us a deep love. And, and that's, besides singing together and reading the word together, we pray. Um, just while we're taking a shower while we're getting dressed. Um, And we're honest about the pain. We've learned to lament and to wrestle with the sorrowful things that happen in our lives. Um, But we're also learning to rejoice and rest in what Jesus has done. And so how does God actually meet me in my sufferings with his grace? He surprises me. He uses disability to draw me to him. He takes his time. Things don't always go so well or so quickly. But I grow in faith and in love, and I give up my control. So parenting a child with differences has been harder than I could have ever imagined and better because his goodness is running after me. It's like we sang, his goodness is running after me all the days of my life. And so how does God answer my need for grace? He answers with himself. And sometimes he answers with others. And I would like to take these last moments just to talk a little bit about that. Um, God has used so many people in the body to um, give me comfort through them. They don't replace God. They could never replace him. But as a body, we're called to come together and um, give God's mercy and grace to one another. So... How might you come alongside a family affected by disability? Disability often brings a doubled doubled pain. And what I mean by that is first there's the pain of the disability and that hurts and that's hard enough, but it's made worse by a second problem. And that problem is that other well-meaning people respond poorly. So people feel awkward, they don't know what to say, and so they say things like this, it'll be okay. You don't know if it's going to be okay. (laughs) I totally understand. No, I don't think you really understand. (laughs) You look so good after a surgery. Well, Krista feels really, really rotten right now. We all have struggles. We do. (laughs) But right now, we need to just focus on Krista's struggles and not be talking about yours. Some people offer help that they never give. Some offer fixes that show they really have no understanding or comprehension of what we're going through. Sometimes people are really supportive right at the beginning, and then as time goes on, because disability does not end, um, they get tired and give up. And so all of these reactions add isolation to the disability. That's that doubled problem. There's isolation now. We're separated because people have... Tried in well-meaning ways, and they give up. So don't give up. And you know, one of one of the best things that anyone ever said to me. So the same friend who told me I was going to die, <laughs> we way back 35 years ago, we were strangers. We had my husband and I had just moved to Minneapolis, so God had us in a really unique place. That um, we had just started going to a small church in Lakeville when Krista was born. So uh, this woman I'd never met, young woman who had one child, calls me up and says, I don't know you, and I have no idea what you must be going through. I don't understand what you're going through. I could never begin to, but I want to understand, and I want to walk alongside you. And that, that, was, that meant so much to me. I mean, we, to this day, we are dear friends. And she has spoken into my life in so many ways. And I believe that Christ called her to do that. And she heard his voice and she listened. And you can't do that with everyone. I don't want to make you feel guilty. But if you hear Christ's call to speak and to be honest and to be vulnerable yourself, you know, the person you're speaking to is very weak and very filled with hurt and sometimes might push you away. That's the risk, you know. You might say that wrong thing, and then they're angry. Or you might even just say what I told you was the best thing someone ever said to me, and it might not be the best thing for them. But take a risk in Christ's name and go and walk alongside someone that God calls you to. Another thing that can happen is that people only focus on the problem? So you start at you only talk about the problem, you ask about the problem, you pray about the problem, you offer help with the problem, but you're missing an important thing. Me, Krista. You're missing our family. We're people who have something that really can't be fixed unless Jesus decides to heal it. But we struggle with physical. And spiritual, mental, emotional challenges. So, again, take a risk and and be willing to dive into our lives. Ask us some questions like What are you feeling today? How are you with Jesus? How can I be a good friend to you? Where do you need encouragement? Remember that um, families affected by disability go through all the same things that typical families do. So our cars break down, our computers quit, plus disability. So I've, I've lived before disability, and I've lived after disability, and, and it's, it's really a challenge. And, and, the, and just that long-going, it's never over, the problems. You know, you can look at Krista. She comes to church. She has a smile on her face. But there's a whole lot behind that. And, and so, it's so it's such a blessing when people see that. Right now, Krista has a friend. She's 35. She has three little girls. And the Lord has just put it on her heart to see Krista. And she's busy. She's got a lot going on in her life. But she'll invite her to sit by her at Wednesday night supper or just come on over to spend the afternoon. And that's so meaningful um Krista's life is very isolated. There's very she grew up with a lot of kids who got married and have moved on with their lives and so it can be a really lonely place for her. I would also just like to remind you or encourage you to be a family that's ready to be interrupted. You know, I'm I'm encouraging you to do some hard things, but you're not going to be able to do those things if you're so focused on your children and your lessons and your sporting events and you know our life is standing still while everybody around us is you know going to all their events and stop for a minute and and look around and be willing to be interrupted i it's one of the beautiful things about christ if what we see in the word is he was willing to be interrupted he was always Heading somewhere and someone stopped him and interrupted him. And he was always willing to do that. So be people who are willing to be interrupted. Don't be so busy with your life. Maybe skip a lesson. Maybe skip a sporting event. Just come alongside someone. So seek out those relationships. Learn how to be a child's friend or an adult's friend. You know, this person who's come alongside Krista talks to me a lot and says, hey, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? Help me. I, I want to know. I want to understand. A model that loving behavior for your children. When you see a Krista in church, say hello. That's the very least you can do is just say hi and show your kids that She's not anyone to be afraid of. You can touch her, you can be her friend, you can speak to her. Even if she could never speak back, you could still talk and and be a friend to her. And that's another thing to just talk to your kids. What is disability? And that's, as you read the book, what is disability? What does that mean? When you see someone in a wheelchair at the store, You know, when you get in the car to go back home, talk about it. And engage your children and help them to understand because disability is a real part of this broken world. And we all face disability in some way or another in our lives. So also one thing I love to say to kids, my, Krista and I do a lot of um, talks for kids, and, and we say to them, you know, God has grace, given so much grace to you can you not give grace to others, even when they're different? Um, see God's worth and value in them, and and give them grace instead of a cold shoulder and just walking away. Um, it's it's hard for kids. Kids have no filter. You know, they see her and they go, "What's wrong with you?" And you know, it's and to be honest, that is something she. Is so afraid of. Um, she, she hates going into groups where she's new or, you know, wondering what is this kid going to say to me and how am I going to respond? And that, that's just something that we go through so much. And so if your child does say the crazy thing, like, what's wrong with you, which, which they might, um, be willing to apologize, be willing to come over and, and talk to that person and, say, and you know, help your child come over. Help your child apologize and just get to know them. That would that would mean so much. The many times that that's happened to us, I don't think I don't think any parent has ever stopped and just said, "Wow, I'm really sorry, my child just said that." That that would mean a lot. So I mentioned the book. Read good books. Read read a book like Krista's book. Um, there's a lot of other ones out there. You can just Google Amazon. There's there's just a huge amount of of great books that people have written just recently that you can um, add to your library and learn and just help those kids to come back again and again to that topic of disability. So I also have another book over here that is written by Vanitha Rizner, if you've heard of her. She lives with disability as well, and is a great writer. She writes for Desiring God, and that book is a gift from Desiring God to you, so please take a copy of that as well. I know you'll really enjoy it. Well, can we pray just to close? (laughs) Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we have had together. Thank you for meeting us in so many ways, meeting me in my life, and that I can... Stand here today that I'm still alive, that you and your mercy and grace have met me. And I pray now that your mercy and grace will follow each of us, will pursue us, and that we will know it and experience it in deep ways. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.church. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ.